this is Mallory. And this is Bethany. And you're listening to Killer Stargazing. This is the podcast where we pick a killer and read their birth chart to see if we can get a more in-depth look at what makes them tick. And if you don't know what a birth chart is, it is a map of the positions of the planets when a person was born. Every week, we also have our featured killer cocktail. This week, we're having basic-ass mimosas because it's a basic-ass bitch we're talking about today. <laughs> so, champagne and orange mango juice garnished with a strawberry. Hell yeah. As always, the recipe will be posted on our Instagram at Killer Stargazing, so check it out. Cheers! Cheers! That being said, if you like true crime and astrology, or you're just curious, grab a drink and let's get into it. Yeah. So this week we are doing the chart and story of Jean Weber, aka the Ogress. Mm. Okay, I've not heard of her. <laughs> so please, Bethany, uh, delight us with the details of the chart. Ah, uh, yes. So Miss um, Weber is a Libra Sun, Virgo Moon, and a Sagittarius Rising. There's always some type of Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. There is. <laughs> So, all right, let's start with her sun in Libra. So Libra dark sides are a little harder to tune into because Libras are aware of how to brand themselves to look exactly how they want to look. They're like their own personal PR and branding team. (laughs) They do have the gift of gab and are very charming, but this is because they care about others' opinions of them. Mm. Yeah. So obviously Libra has a need for balance. Their symbol is the weighing scales and they're always balanced. Yeah. They have a need for harmony, but do not realize that their need for harmony is the reason for a lot of chaos in their lives. They also don't realize that they are the biggest contributors to chaos in their lives. (laughs) (laughs) Libra harmony and balance comes in the form of them being happy, getting what they want um, and making sure everyone else is happy with them. Hmm. Unfortunately, their idea of making sure everyone else is happy includes a blissful ignorance of others while doing things that if people found out the truth of, they wouldn't. <laughs> just, just, all right. Uh, unfortunately, their idea of making sure everyone else is happy includes a blissful ignorance of others while doing things that if people found out the truth of, they wouldn't be so happy. Oh, sneaky snakes. Uh-huh. Libra's need for harmony comes from the fact that they are lovers of fairness and justice. And this can actually make them be very impartial and problematic. Hmm. Because imbalance in life is actually a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Someone seeking complete balance can find themselves giving good treatment to both good and bad people because of being unable to make like a solid, firm decision. Mm, Okay. Libra's impartialness can leave people feeling like they have no loyalty and and treating like bad people good while good people are being mistreated sometimes. But in Libra's head, it's fair. Okay. And everyone is treated equally regardless of like crime committed or whatever. Yeah. And it can lead to animosity and anger from others, plus distrust with many close friends questioning their loyalty. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that kind of fits her pretty well. Yeah. So Libra does love a harmonious public appearance. They like to appear like everything is going well and they have their shit together. Yeah. They feel it makes them look like they're just more 
respected and likable in general. Like put together and mm-hmm. everything. Okay, yeah. okay. So Libra is an air sign, and air signs are the communicators of the zodiac. Communication with others and popularity are something Libras seek. Mm, okay. While many astrological interpretations say Libras are popular and confident, well, that's not always like 100% true. Yeah. Many are very unpopular, insecure, <laughs> worrying about the opinion of others and finding themselves being anxious in meeting new people and putting themselves out there. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. So their lack of balance has turned them into a social, emotional wreck <laughs> and incapable of finding their footing on the ground. Oh, no. So, so this dark side um, that can emerge isn't isn't in their need for popularity, but kind of like their double life. Yeah, yeah. So, so the sun is in her 10th house, the midheaven, which is the house of social status. It's how you make a name for yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, this can either mean honor and glory or complete scandal and disgrace. It's complete scandal and <laughs> disgrace. I knew it. <laughs> This placement is often referred to as the House of World Leaders because it's a very common placement for people involved in politics. Well, I think that might fit a lot of politicians, too. (laughs) Yeah. Only very few individuals with the sun in the 10th house will not become well-known one way or another. Mm. So, the sun conjunction Jupiter. This aspect, it does bring people material success and widens their horizons, but it often causes extreme vanity as well. Okay. So let's look at some famous Libras. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't honestly, I was going to say that I don't really have much contact with Libras. I absolutely do have much contact with Libras. We do, yeah. I work with, well, we work with a couple, yeah, yeah, three. Oh, three, yeah. Three. Well, also... We have Cardi B, mm. Kim Kardashian, Will Smith, Gwyneth Paltrow, Snoop Dogg, oh, nice. Eminem, oh, Gwen love. Stefani. I'm sorry, I need to stop. Oh. I love Eminem. Oh my gosh, yes, me too. <laughs> Anyways, continue. John Krasinski, mm. who I fucking love. <laughs> Zac Efron, Judge Judy, oh. and Bitch and Bella Thorne. Oh my God, I'm Bella Thorne. <laughs> Okay, well, let's look at her ascendant. I have not yet roasted a Sagittarius rising, so let's here we do go. it. <laughs> so, your rising sign is your physical personality. It's the impression you first give, both appearance-wise and personality-wise. Uh, one part of their nature, um, as far as you know, Sagittarius nature, heads up for uh, like noble goals, while the other part is controlled by very earthy and animal instincts. Mm. The life of these people may be accompanied by a constant search for something that's just very difficult to achieve. Even before reaching the goal, they see another one that is just as difficult to achieve, and they just basically never end up finishing shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sagittarian can be very awkward, clumsy, not only physical, but also socially. Um, They often pay little attention to what they're saying, where they're going, or what or who is around them. They're constantly just, like, tripping over things, both, like, literally, you know, physically and just, Mentally. You know, yeah. <laughs> including their own words. Oh. Uh, known to be a little absent-minded. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, aren't you a Sagittarius um, rising? Did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> Daily life for many Sagittarians can be very muddled. 
Their personal space may always be messy, and they seldom put anything where it can be easily found. Mm. That is not me. I am extremely OCT about my area. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that's the Capricorn in me, too. Yeah. Um, Then when they need something, they just go frantically scavenging about, yelling, calling themselves names while making an even greater mess. (laughs) And their absentmindedness also means they forget appointments or late, which can be frustrating and inconvenient for others. Oh, they're late sometimes? So I'm told. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they're just weird in general. Um, The wild nature of Sagittarians often means they refuse to conform to -to day-to-day social conventions and expectations. They're rebellious and original in their thinking and behavior, which can sometimes make them seem a bit weird, comical, Mm. or shocking to folks who are just more proper and conventional. Well, she Mm. is shockingly... Horrible? Horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Short-tempered. Probably the most negative aspect of a Sagittarian's nature is these people are hot-headed and quick (laughs) (laughs) Their temper can erupt even over the most trivial matters. And when it does, they use words to attack and can come on so quick and strong, they're frightening. You know what? As... I'm glad that, you know, I was roasted a bit in the last episode, <laughs> and now you're just roasting yourself. I know. Feels weird. <laughs> uh, they are prone to be some of the rudest, shittiest, moodiest, stubborn, emotional, sensitive, antisocial people. You're not shitty. I would like to think I'm not that shitty. I can be <laughs> shitty to you, but, you know, or to people, not to you. No. Um, but, you know, I could definitely, I think a lot of times, too, the rudeness is almost, like, unintentional. Sometimes you don't realize what you're saying till after it comes out. And, like, shit, I didn't mean it like that. 100%. But I see how it came out. That's know? why I feel like that's both of our Earth signs. Yeah, definitely. So, Sagittarius, they have a, a weird mix of being private yet very open. They pride themselves on honesty, but the thing with Sagittarius, honesty is usually it's it's not asked for. Like, <laughs> like people want the truth, but the sugar-coated one. And Sag just gives unfiltered opinions out left, right, and center, whether requested or not. Hmm. This can offend many people and make them feel disrespected, of course. Um, but the funny thing about their view on honesty is the hypocrisy that comes along with Sagittarius. <laughs> Which is one, they usually can't handle the honesty themselves. Two, Why does that sound so familiar? <laughs> Too familiar. And two, they aren't the most honest people in certain aspects. Sagittarius temper is something that not everyone gets to see as Sag tries their hardest to hide anger from people. And this is something they fear others seeing as they're embarrassed by that emotion. It looks weak, and it makes them feel the other person has won. It Mm. makes them feel like not in control, and that's something Sagittarius wants. It's control. Ah, okay. However, when a Sagittarius is angered, they can be unresponsive, impulsive, emotional, confrontational, stubborn, and very verbal. All right. If a Sagittarius is not the physical attack type, they will hit you with words. (laughs) Harsh words will be thrown at you uh, in person, online, wherever they can let their anger out will do. (laughs) Uh, They will tend to, um, well, they will tell their friends, family, like lovers, like everyone. Their aim is to get it off their chest and get as many people to agree and see what a piece of shit the person is that angered them. (laughs) But then it's over as soon as it started. 
Ah. They're, they're really quick to forgive and forget. And yes, I can say that is true. Okay. Um, but that, but people still see them as, as kind of erratic and unpredictable. Hmm. And it also can be selfish because they say and do so much hurtful stuff. It makes it impossible for the other person to just move on from it. Well, I will say she does a lot of shitty things. Yeah. Does she, she does she hurt with her words or other things? Other things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the final thing I'm going to get into is um, the ego. Sagittarius does have a big ego. Very confident, very vain, constantly speaking about how great they are and whatnot. Hmm. Uh, a Sagittarius favorite topic is themselves. <laughs> <laughs> However, when a Sagittarius is insecure, they don't know how to handle it because it's it's not in their nature. Okay. They just become bitter, angry, mean people. Oh. They mix their honesty and bluntness with resentment, insecurity, and anger and project it onto others. They want others to feel the way that they feel. And they can sometimes be mean on purpose in order to feel better about themselves. Okay. <laughs> they overcompensate through complimenting things that they don't actually even like about themselves just so other people can think that they love themselves or compliment it too. <laughs> <laughs> it can really just come across as miserable and bitter. It's just not a good look. It's not a good look. All right. So you know what's going to make me feel better? <laughs> Some badass Sagittarius rising okay. celebrities. <laughs> Let's hear them. <laughs> All right. Goldie Hawn. Princess Di. Alyssa Milano. Oh, I love her. Mm-hmm. Alicia Keys, Courtney Cox, Denise Richards, Liz Taylor, mm-hmm. Jessica Biel, Mila Kunis. Oh, I love her. Same. Paris Hilton, mm-hmm. Nellie Furtado, Scarlett Johansson, and Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> <laughs> you get a sad rising. You get a sad rising. <laughs> Everyone gets a sad rising. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Moving right along to her Virgo moon. Oh, okay. All right. That's This is starting yes. to make a little bit more sense to me. <laughs> so, this one will be a little quick. Not, you know, not a whole lot here, but the Virgo moon is very much a skeptic. A critical eye. I'm very curious about yes. this. My youngest son is a Virgo moon oh. and Virgo rising. So, oh, yes. tell me about it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they spot faults effortlessly, and they get obsessed with details to the point of insanity. Oh, she does. Mm. They don't trust emotions because they can't label emotions, and Virgo needs detailed analysis and labels for everything. Virgo Moon will be quick to point out your flaws and can do so rather cruelly. Oh, no. The Moon is square her ascendant. And this aspect can bring people instability, and they may get easily influenced by others. Mm. Okay. It's not like a ton of juiciness there, but, you know, some stuff. Yeah, very controlling is what I hear from Mm -hmm. pretty much any Virgo placement. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Obsessed with details is, like, a a big thing, too. Um, She, yeah. Yeah, we'll get into it. (laughs) So, Mercury... Of course, the intellectual planet, how we communicate, um, her Mercury is in Scorpio. I was very, I'm very curious about the communication aspect Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of, uh, she has to use her words a lot to get out of situations, which we will find out. So I'm very curious as, uh, 
Well, Scorpio tends to be manipulative, Mm -hmm. so let's hear it. Yes. All right. So people with Mercury and Scorpio, they generally do not want reconciliation. Mm. They will use their imagination to think about revenge. Water brings emotion and inability to reconcile. So people with Mercury and water signs, they tend to like art, mysticism, psychology, and these people speak with emotions. Uh, Mercury is in the 11th house, which represents all things friendship and social. Mm-hmm. And this position means a versatile mind, broad views, and diverse thinking. But their way of thinking is unusual and unconventional. Okay. Mercury is opposition Neptune. And this aspect considerably complicates practical life. (laughs) Eccentric artists and spiritual explorers sometimes have this aspect in their horoscope. So these people change their opinions often and unexpectedly. When they get into trouble, they do not hesitate to use lies or deceive others, even themselves. Ooh, (laughs) lies. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, These people do not express themselves very well, and they tend to be dreamers. Okay. They often close themselves in their own fantasy world and do not have very good short-term memory. They're aware of their special abilities, but they are not always able to use them. It just kind of depends on other aspects, but other people may take advantage of them. Others may find it hard to deal with their chaotic thinking and lack of order. Well, mm, I don't know. You'll you'll see. <laughs> So let's talk Venus, love language. Okay, yeah, yeah. There's um, not a whole lot about relationships, okay. but there is something, so I'm curious. Okay. Yeah, not a lot. We have, just, you know, touching on it, we have um, Venus in Sagittarius, oh. and it is in the 12th house. So Venus in the 12th house suggests secrecy and solitude, mm. and it points to the introspective aspect of character and the need to spend time alone. Okay. Well, <laughs> she can't <laughs> That's her love language. She's she alone. <laughs> Surprise, that's not my view. <laughs> Same. It's going to be left alone. Maybe that's just because I'm a mom. <laughs> Maybe. No way. Uh, It creates socially withdrawn people who are a bit lonely and disappointed in their romantic relationships. Okay, that matches. (laughs) (laughs) They're very emotional, but they can subconsciously control their emotions. Okay. The position usually creates a significant degree of compassion for oppressed people and all those who are in a bad position. Uh, I think she's just shitty. Okay. (laughs) Uh, so lastly, I'm going to talk about her black moon, Lilith. Oh, yes, yes, dark yes. nature. Yes. So I know I've spoken many times on what Lilith represents, but I will never get tired of saying it. Mm-hmm. So just in case this happens to be your first time tuning in, or maybe you forgot, here it is. Uh, Lilith was Adam's first wife, and rather than being made of his rib, like his second partner Eve, Lilith was created from the same clay as Adam himself. Lilith rebelled and refused to be sexually submissive to Adam, Basically, she was ejected from the Garden of Eden for wanting to be on top during sex. <laughs> she was the original feminist. She was. She is a goddess, as far as I'm concerned. Represents Hell yeah. everything a woman should be. Love her. Yes. <laughs> so, Lilith and Libra. And mm. this represents aspirations that just cannot be fulfilled. Oh. Mm. Oh. So, these people can be excellent counselors. They know a lot about relationships, and they can explain everything to others. 
However, they can become fanatical and false uh, spiritual leaders. Mm. They refuse to fit into society and protest pretty much against everything. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, there's definitely a mental illness that plays in. So, you know, you never know. And it sounds like we don't have, like, super detailed stuff No, no. Like I I told you, like, before we started Mm -hmm. recording, I really, there's really not that much that I was able to find on her. So, I mean, who knows? But from what I found, that doesn't really necessarily match up. Yeah. But, okay. you know, this is why we do this. It is. Well, then, uh, let's let's hear it. Okay. Okay. So, like I said, there's not too much information I could mm-hmm. find. Most of what I found was on good old Murderpedia. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jean Weber was born in a small fishing village in western France on October 7th, 1874. I could not find anything about her childhood. Wow. Like, nothing at all. I looked at different podcasts that had covered her, different articles. They all kind of start the same. That hmm. Just that when she was 14, she left home to go to Paris. So maybe there was really nothing there. Maybe she just had a very normal, boring little life in a yeah. small fishing village. She was just ready for something more exciting. Yeah. So when she was 14, she left home to go to Paris. She just kind of worked some menial jobs to get by. And then she married her husband in 1893. He was an alcoholic, and eventually she started to drink as well. By 1905, two out of three of their children had died. And by that point, she was a heavy drinker. Mm -hmm. And she was just staying in a really crappy, like, tenement with her husband and her now seven-year-old son. So... Poor kid. (laughs) Two shitty alcoholics staying in what is basically just a room in someone's house. Mm -hmm. And then her husband leaves her. So it's just her and her son. Mm. So for some reason, though, people thought she'd make like a really great babysitter. Oh. And also, I want to point out that women especially were always seen as someone who could be trusted with children. Oh, like for they, sure. Like, yeah. they had to love kids. Mm-hmm. It is like that now. Like, even myself, like, subconsciously, like, if I see a man or a woman, I'm going to the woman first. Sure. Because I feel like she's going to be more trustworthy. I get it. Yeah. So, same. but especially back then, it was like... You weren't allowed to... What do you mean you don't want to have kids? Or, like, yeah, you don't yeah. like kids? Like, like, that's why you're here. Exactly. What else could you even want to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it was just unheard of. Like, you had to like children. Mm-hmm. So, March 2nd, 1905, she's babysitting for her sister-in-law. And while she was babysitting, the 18-month-old Georgette got really, really sick. And then she just very quickly died. Um, it's just terrible to lose a child. I can't imagine. And then poor Jean, she lost two kids of her own and now this baby dies in her care. Like, I wonder insane. if that's kind of like what triggered whatever went wrong with her. Just kidding. Don't feel bad for her. <laughs> okay. Baby Georgette. On her were these just strange bruises on her neck that were somehow ignored by the examining doctor. Hmm. And then on March 11th, just a little more than a week later, they asked Jean to come back and babysit their two-year-old, Suzanne. 
and how crazy she mysteriously died while Auntie Jean was babysitting as well. Weird. This time, the doctor blamed it on convulsions. It's mm. suspicious. <laughs> so apparently it wasn't that suspicious because then on March 25th, they asked her to babysit their seven-year-old, Jermaine. Wow. So this is all, like, in the same month. <laughs> Unfortunately, Jermaine suffered a sudden attack of choking with red marks on her throat. Oh. She, sur- she survived that day, but then the next day, Auntie Jean came back to visit, and Jermaine died. This time... They're putting it together, I hope. You would think. <laughs> this time, the doctor said she died... Due to diphtheria, which is a bacterial infection. And also, the symptoms are like a fever, sore throat, rapid breathing. Like it like it would take days for the child to have died of that. And the parents yeah. would have known that they were sick. But I don't know. Early 1900s, hmm. people just trusted everyone. The doctor's fucking stupid. Maybe they think there's no way that a woman could kill a child. I don't know. Sure, yeah. So then four days after that, her son, Marcel, also died of, quote, diphtheria. And again, all the bruises and marks on the neck that pointed to strangulation ignored. The hell? Her son. So then on April 5th, 1905, Jean invites two of her sister-in-laws over for dinner. And she offered to watch... Uh, she offered to watch her 10-year-old nephew, Maurice, while the ladies went shopping. Like, how nice. Mm. Like, go out. Yeah, you deserve it. Yeah, I know. It's only been, like, a few days since my son died, but, like, go. Treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, the women came home early, and they found Maurice gasping on the bed. His throat was covered in bruises. And Jean was just standing over him with a crazed expression on her face. Whether or not he died is unclear. I read in one place that he did die. I read in another that he didn't. Hmm. But either way, when they mentioned the murders, they didn't say his name. So probably not. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) So I'm like, finally. Yeah. (laughs) Like, they freaking catch her (laughs) red-handed. They filed charges against her, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. So her trial began January 29th, 1906, and the prosecution was accusing her of eight murders, <laughs> which wow. included all three of her own children, her three nieces, and two others who had died while in her care, Lucy Alandre and Marcel uh, Poyatos. Poyatos? I'm not sure. It was also suspected that she killed her son in March to, like, throw suspicion off. Hmm. Like, after she killed her three nieces, <laughs> that, that then she, like, killed her son to be like, it, it couldn't be me. Couldn't be Look, me now my son's yeah, dead. like, who would kill their own child? Fucking you, bitch. All three of them. <laughs> so, she was defended by, apparently, this brilliant defense lawyer, mm-hmm. Henri Robert, and jurors just couldn't could not believe that a, quote, grieving mother could do these terrible things. And she was acquitted on February 6th. 14 months later, April 7th, 1907, 
A doctor is summoned to the home of a peasant, Bavouze. I am probably pronouncing all of these wrong. <laughs> it's very FYI. French. It's very French. In the town Via du. <laughs> I think you said it perfectly. Listen, I took <laughs> honors French in high school, Ooh. and I don't remember much other than Je m'appelle Mallory. <laughs> that is literally all I remember, and I wasn't even in honors. It's like <laughs> basic-ass intro to French. <laughs> So he was greeted at the door by a babysitter, Madame Mouyenet. She led them to the cot where the nine-year-old Auguste I B. I'm just gonna call him B. I can't say the last I name. Like it. We'll call him B. He was dead. His throat was badly bruised. And what was the cause of death? Convulsions, obviously. Mm, duh. <laughs> but less than a month later, on May 4th, the doctor changed his opinion. Madame Mouyenet was identified as none other than Jean Weber. She went with the same lawyer, Henri Robert, once again, held over for trial. She was released in December. There was a second autopsy that was done on the boy that the his death was blamed on typhoid. Mm. So even though it seems super obvious now <laughs> that it wasn't all these convulsions and diseases that yeah. killed these kids, but finding the exact cause of death was actually pretty difficult for these doctors. Hmm. Some of the bodies only had faint marks on the necks and others showed no injuries at all. So the doctors would actually argue back and forth on different causes of death for the cases. So that's really why it was hard to pin down or why yeah. none of it was ruled as strangulation. Okay. There was like obvious bruises on one though. So that one I'm like, mm, it's still like, yeah. you know, fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> After that, she just drops out of sight. Like, after she gets out of this one, she's like, oh, shit. And she dips out. Mm -hmm. Just for a day, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> the very next day, she shows up as an orderly at a children's hospital in Falkenbalt. She then moved from there to the children's home in Ogreville. Which is run, it was run by some friends who sought to, quote, make up for the wrong justice had inflicted upon innocent women. Like, she was an innocent woman mm -hmm. that was uh, accused of all these terrible crimes and they were going to help her out. Like, oh, okay, yeah. so, sure, 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 sure. Mm -hmm. So while she was there, she was working as Marie Lemoyne. She was on the job for less than a week before she was caught yet again. Strangling a child in the home. She waste no time. The owners, though, are really fucking shitty for this because that's their whole thing is built on these women were, you know, wrongly convicted or, or wrongly accused and we're helping them out. Mm -hmm. Then they catch one of them actually doing the thing they were accused of. And um, they just, like, quietly dismissed her and covered up the whole incident. Oh. Didn't, you know, you don't want to, like, ruin the image. Of course not, yeah. So she makes her way back to Paris and is arrested for vagrancy. Mm. They also had her briefly confined to an asylum at Nantierre, but doctors pronounced her as sane and let her go. So this, <laughs> this made me laugh because of the way they say it. They say she drifted into prostitution. Doesn't <laughs> make it sound like she just floated onto the streets. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I was just delivering cream and look what happened. Where's the wind taking me now? <laughs> to, to dick, that's to where it's taking you. Yeah. It's to, taking you to dick. 
Anyways, I digress. <laughs> While she's doing that, she meets a man named Paul, who was a professional criminal. Big dreams. Yeah. Um, he fell in love with Jean while she was working as a prostitute, and they even got married. Sweet. So then on May 8th, 1908, <laughs> they stayed at a hostel in, in Commercy. Her husband had left, and Jean said that she was afraid to sleep alone, and she begged the hosts to let their child share the room with her. Fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Um, they said okay for some reason, um, but then okay. okay. But then the next day, when she was, he was gonna sleep in the room again. Like they were like, okay, you know that worked out fine. One night, let's do yeah. it again. Um, like this boy really didn't want to, and that's what makes me really sad. Like listen to your fucking kids. Yeah. And his parents convinced him, and he did. Why did he? At about 11 p.m., the man in the room next to them said he heard sobbing and smothered screams in their room. He ran to the host to tell them something was wrong, and when they ran into the room, they found their son dead on the bed with his head thrown back and his eyes protruding. His tongue was bitten and bleeding, and Weber was asleep next to him with one one arm around him and covered in blood. When his parents woke her up, she acted like she was completely surprised and said she had no idea what happened. And I did also read somewhere else that they caught her while she was strangling him and that the father had to, like, punch her in the face three times to get her off of him. Really? It was so long ago, no one really knows, but I do hope that the dad knocked her the fuck out. That would be pretty awesome. So, once again, she's taken to trial, and she was found not guilty. This time, though, by reason of insanity. Oh. So, on October 25th, 1908, she was sent to the asylum at Merrillville. She confessed to all the murders. She even told them how she did it. She either did it with handkerchiefs or some other cloth wrapped around their necks, or she would push their chests so hard to the point that they were not able to breathe. One of the doctors that had examined uh, the boy's body that said, in his opinion, uh, the child died at the hands of a human vampire of the kind described in fiction and very rarely occurring in actual life. She was credited with at least 10 murders and the papers all wrote about everything and Mm -hmm. they gave her the nickname Ogress. So Jean Weber survived 10 years in captivity before she died. So how did she die, you ask? She She manually strangled herself. Kind of full circle here. Punishment fits the crime. (laughs) And that is the story of Jean Weber, a.k.a. the Ogress. Hmm. I do have to say, though, in a story that is completely filled with garbage people Mm -hmm. from her to the doctors, to those fucking people that covered up the strangling a kid. Uh Uh-huh. At least the garbage person, alcoholic first husband, like, he kind of got got away. Like, he kind of made out with the best of him. I mean, yeah, hopefully he went to live on a better life. I mean, he did leave his last living child with her, and then she killed him. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, nobody wins in this. (laughs) Right. But, I mean, so if you see her, so there's two pictures that I saw a lot, and Mm -hmm. in one, she just looks surprised like she has no idea where she's even at Mm -hmm. and the other she just looks like just really cold so here's her looking surprised 
what she have I done? Surprise! She's like, wait, you didn't tell me you were taking the picture yet. <laughs> oh. And that's her looking cold. That's what I believe would be oh, yeah. like. That's what's staring in your face while she's fucking. That looks like a baby strangler right there. So they, like I said, they wrote a lot of articles about her. So mm-hmm. it's in the Le Petit Journal. <laughs> Journal, I'm sure. <laughs> Whatever. But well, look, so this is one cover where they had like a drawing of her uh-huh. and like people crying over their just like oh, dead children. Geez. And then this one of her like strangling a child. Jeez, that's graphic. I know. <laughs> I mean, like you, it's you, just a drawing, but still. You think of those as like more innocent times. Like they were fucking savage. Yeah, too. I didn't give a fuck. At least the French were. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny too is um yeah I didn't really I didn't really talk about um her Chiron. Oh yeah. And uh Chiron, you know, the the wounded healer and yeah. all that where unhealed trauma is. And her Chiron, it is in Aries mm. in the fourth house. And this is usually I don't think I, I think maybe I originally didn't um include this because it is about family, you know, like we had talked about how you can only really find a lot on her family, but I think, you know, this is the unhealable injury of these people is their family. So something like yeah. they believe that their parents didn't give them like proper care, love, sense of security. And, yeah. um, you know, even in adulthood, unhappy childhood is, is still their open and an unhealed injury. And, um, and they Damn. do tend to compensate for this, um, by creating their own like big family, do you think maybe she had, like, super smothering parents and then she <laughs> smothered children? She probably did. If- also, also, Pluto's at 22 degrees. Oh! In Taurus! <laughs> well, if anyone so. has any, like, information on her yeah. early childhood, please let yeah, us know. Yeah. I'm super curious. <laughs> well, wow. Okay. Well, there was a lot more there than I thought. Yeah, there was. That's so please one. like, follow, review on all the things, Spotify, Apple, what have you. <laughs> if you have a true crime, unexplained, or paranormal story that happened to you or in your hometown, email us, killerstargazing at gmail.com. We do spooky sessions semi-regularly, and we love to read your stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are doing a spooky session next week. It is uh, my birthday, so <laughs> coming up, so that's why we're doing something a little different. Mm-hmm. You can follow us on Instagram at Killer Stargazing. We post pictures from the episodes we do, and we have all of our killer cocktail recipes on there. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Instagram at Mal underscore Evelyn underscore. And where can they find you, Bethany? At Blame My Pisces Moon. Yep. Until mm-hmm. next time. Bye. Bye, guys.